Well, tonight we are coming to the second question um, in our series called What's the Story? And um, hopefully you know that as we do that, we're actually joining with other churches, and not just here in Donegal, but across Ireland. And what we're doing is we're having a look at six particular questions. And these are six questions that Irish people, just like us, have been asking about Christianity, about the gospel, and about life itself. And so there was a survey done, and these are the six questions that particularly came up. Um, and tonight's question is a big one. And the question is this, is there anybody there? Is there anybody there? And over history, that's a question that human beings have asked over and over again. Is there anybody there? And sometimes it's been asked out of, I suppose you could say, a thirst to know more. It's been asked out of curiosity. Uh, human beings have been exploring the world and they've discovered new continents and they've made all sorts of incredible scientific discoveries about the way in which things work. And it's natural that the question arising from that is, well, what else is out there? Or, or who else is out there? Is there anybody there? Of course, it's also a question that can be asked not out of curiosity, but out of despair, um, as we see injustice all around us, um, as we see the good guys getting it really, really tight and the bad guys getting away with it, um, as we wrestle with a sense of pointlessness and emptiness, as we wrestle perhaps with a, with a feeling in our hearts that nothing actually matters and everything's meaningless, we ask the question, is there anybody there? Or times of disaster, whenever you hear the news of 10 people losing their lives in Chrysla, or whenever you see some of the incredibly wretched, awful, unimaginable atrocities in Ukraine, we naturally ask, is there anybody there? So that's the question we're looking at tonight. I don't think it's going to surprise you that my answer is yes. Yes, there is somebody there. We wouldn't be here otherwise. But what I want to do tonight is I want us to think about three different voices. So three voices that tell us there's somebody there and they speak to us about the one who is there. So three different voices. And the first voice we've already been singing about, it's the voice of creation. It's the voice of of creation. Uh, I've been here in Donegal for seven years now um, and I've been around even a bit longer than that because I spent a couple of years here before I went to train to be a minister and of course it's an incredible county that we live in um, and yet the problem is whenever we spend all of our time living in the one place we can very very easily take it for granted, can't we? And I can remember very distinctly something that happened to me quite a few years ago. Um, I was here in Letterkenny, but I was driving back to Milford, and um, I, was, I was driving up to Mountain Top, and I, I reached the Mountain Top roundabout, and I was coming down the hill 
towards Alistran, and I was just starting to go down the hill and it was this lovely sunny day, it was a beautiful day, there wasn't a cloud in the sky, uh, the grass was green and the sky was blue and I looked off to the left and I was able to see Muckish standing out against this blue sky and it was majestic. I remember thinking, wow, that's really, really amazing. It's an incredible view. It's absolutely wonderful. And yet, what really sticks in my mind from that drive home was the thought that came into my head after that. And the thought was, well, wait a minute. How many times do I drive along this road? How many times have I made this exact journey? How many times have I seen this exact sight? And yet how many times have I not even noticed it? And I've been so busy thinking about where I'm going to next, or I've been so busy thinking about maybe the meeting that I had before, that I haven't given it a second thought. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who's done that. And we can be so, so used to just seeing things and then moving on, can't we? We see things, we shrug our shoulders, we get on with the rest of our day. And yet, all around us, there are things we see, and if we were to stop, and if we were to listen, we would hear a voice that tells us about the one who's there. In the morning, every single morning, as the rays of the sun hit the window of your house and it begins to warm the room, it tells you something about the one who's there, doesn't it? And yet, when's the last time you stopped to think about the sun? Um, I read recently about something that scientists call the Goldilocks zone. Um, and the children can maybe work out why it's called that. It's because of the story. I hope you all know the story of Goldilocks. There's one bowl of porridge. It's too hot. There's one bowl of porridge. It's too cold. And then there's one bowl of porridge. And it's just right. And the Goldilocks zone... It refers to a part of space that is, it's just close enough to the sun and yet just far enough away that it's just right. Um, and if a planet was to be too close to the sun, it would obviously be boiling hot and there wouldn't be any life. But if a planet was too far away from the sun, well then everything would freeze and there'd be no life then either. And as you might have guessed, planet Earth is right there in the middle of what scientists call the Goldilocks zone. And if it was a little bit closer to the sun, it'd be far too hot. There wouldn't be life as we know it. If it was a little bit further away, well, the whole planet would be just barren and frozen. It would be a wasteland. And yet it just so happens. Planet Earth is right there in the middle of this relatively narrow band where life like ours is able to exist. And you think to yourself, there's only really two possibilities. Either we are incredibly astronomically, if you'll pardon the pun, lucky, that we just so happen to be in the exact right spot, or there is someone who has designed our planet 
and he has designed our planet's orbit around the sun, and he's made sure that we're in exactly the right place. Tomorrow, when the sun rises, if you listen, you might hear its voice telling you about the one who's there. You don't even have to look at the sun. You could look at your own body. Um, I read an article recently in the Washington Post. Um, I actually read it as I was researching for this. Um, and it said that apparently, and um, I can't verify this, but it's the Washington Post, so it's a reliable enough source. It said that apparently in every square inch of your skin, there are 20 feet of blood vessels. There are 650 sweat glands, and there are more than 1,000 nerve endings. That's in every square inch. That's replicated across your body. Um, I tried then as well, when researching for this, to read a few articles about the brain and the nervous system, but I had to give up because I'm not smart enough to read articles like that. Um, it was just way beyond my capacity to take in. But let me give you a few statistics that I was able to see from these various um, journals and science magazines and all of that. So apparently our brains have 100 trillion neural connections. And that just in case you can't picture what 100 trillion neural connections looks like, it's roughly the number of stars in our galaxy. If you were to multiply it by a thousand. Um, apparently, if you were to stretch out all of the nerves of even the smallest person here, um, and those nerves, of course, are all connected to the brain, but if you were to stretch them all out, even from the smallest person here, they would stretch for miles and miles and miles and miles. And you think, well, how do they work in that case? Well, it's okay, because the electrical signals that travel from our nerve endings to our brains and back again, they, they can hit speeds of 268 miles per hour. I mean, that's, that's, that's mind-blowing, isn't it? Um, if I can change the topic just a wee bit, there's a bit of a theme here, actually, come to think of it, but one of the things that I sometimes stop to think about and I know it's going to sound a wee bit nerdy, but it amazes me. Um, it's the road network. And I realise, living in Donegal, uh, you know, we, we don't always, well, we marvel at the road network, but not always for the right reasons. But, but I find it really, really incredible that you, know, you could be in the remotest, tiniest, single track road somewhere in Donegal with grass growing down the middle. And yet you're actually still connected to Grafton Street and O'Connell Street. And, you know, I find it incredible that we could drive out of this car park tonight and you could literally drive to any town in Ireland, to any housing estate or to any house in any part of the whole country. I've got no idea, I didn't, didn't really go looking for this, I've no idea uh, how many miles our road network covers. Um, and yet, imagine if someone was to look at a map of Ireland and they were to look at the map of all the national roads and all the regional roads and all the local roads and someone was to tell them that you can drive from 
any point in Ireland than you can get to any other point. And imagine if someone was to say, it's really lucky that uh, those roads just happen to land in just the right place, that they're all connected, and you can drive to any other point. Nobody would say that. Because it goes without saying that this network must have been designed. And it goes without saying that thousands and thousands and thousands of man-hours have gone into designing the network and planning the network and making sure that it works. And whenever you look at it on a map, there's a voice that tells you there's someone there. There's someone who's designed this. And it's the same with our bodies. You know, sometimes I hear people say, you'll have heard it too, science has disproved God. Um, or sometimes you hear people speak, even Christians sadly speak this way sometimes, but they speak as if science and Christianity are enemies. But they're not. I think it's incredible. We live in the 21st century. We live in one of the most incredible times in all of human history. We live in an era when there are all sorts of amazing scientific discoveries. Uh, you think of all of the technology that we have today that they didn't have even a hundred years ago. A technology that allows us to look at the world in more and more detailed ways. And all of those discoveries and all of those technologies, they're showing us, aren't they, that the universe we live in and the bodies we have and the world that's around us and the plants in your garden are far more detailed and far more complicated and far more intricately designed than we ever thought possible. King David wrote Psalm 19, which we sang. Uh, he wrote it a long time ago. There weren't, I don't think, microscopes in those days, certainly not like ours. There certainly weren't vast telescopes in space itself telling us about the planets. But David got it absolutely spot on, didn't he? The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. That's the first voice that speaks to us. The voice of creation. Second, second point tonight. There's a voice inside us. There's a voice inside us. I'm not going to say terribly much about this tonight because I think looking at the questions that are to come, we're going to be covering this a little bit um, in some of the weeks to come. Um, but there's a voice inside us and that voice bears witness to the one who's there. Um, and here's what I mean by that. Whenever you watch the news, what do you see? You see Russia invading Ukraine. You see all sorts of atrocities being carried out. You see mass graves being discovered. 
uh, you see or you, you don't see, but you certainly hear about dozens and dozens of bodies in those graves that have been brutally slaughtered, have been mutilated, and then have been dumped. Um, and you, you think to yourself, it's awful. Uh, there is something inside you that, that burns, isn't there? And, and you long for justice to be done. And you long for war criminals to get their comeuppance. And you long for those who are oppressed to be set free. Or even closer to home. You read the Donegal papers, what do you read? Well, you, you read about Micah, don't you? And you read about thousands and thousands of families and their homes are crumbling around them. And it seems like nobody's being called to account. Nobody is being prosecuted. And there's something inside us and it recoils and it bristles because justice isn't being done. Or on a more positive note, you, you log on to Facebook and uh, you read about someone and they're doing some great feat for charity. Um, and, and you maybe read the blurb about why they're doing what they're doing and you read about all the things that this money is going to accomplish. You read about all of these lives that are going to be turned around and transformed for the better. And what do you do? You, you smile, don't you? Because that's a really, really good thing. And now, to realise everything I've said so far is really, really obvious. Of course, of course you bristle whenever you see war crimes. Um, of course you're angry whenever you hear about justice not being done. Of course you're happy when you read about lives being changed for the better. But here's the question I have. Why? Why is it that every single person here thinks in the same way whenever it comes to that? And why is it that almost certainly your non-Christian, non-church-going neighbours think exactly the same thing? Why is it that we don't need to be taught to have those feelings? Why is it that they come naturally to us? Why is it that we have this natural, inbuilt, innate desire for justice? Why is it that without even having to think about it, we recoil whenever there's injustice? Because if everything happened by chance, if all we are is atoms and molecules and cells, then surely all that happens whenever somebody dies, no matter how tragically, is that matter is being rearranged. And if we are only here because of survival of the fittest, well then why shouldn't those men who have the biggest guns do whatever they want to do to get ahead? If we say there's no one out there, if we say there isn't a creator, and if then we shed tears at some of the things that happen in the world around us, do you realise we're not living consistently? And the reason we do shed tears, and the reason 
our non-Christian friends shed tears is because deep down we know that it isn't an accident. Deep down we know and everybody knows there is someone there. And not only is he there, but he's made us in his image. And whenever we value justice, and whenever we hate injustice, and whenever we weep over vulnerable people being brutalised, and whenever our hearts go out to people who are suffering, we are reflecting the values of God. The one who's made us in his image. That means whenever you put on the news... Or whenever you read the paper, there's a voice inside you and it tells you there's someone there. There's two things we've seen. The voice of creation, the voice inside us. Uh, thirdly and finally, the voice of God. The voice of God. So I think that what we've seen so far tells us pretty clearly that there is someone there. Uh, they tell us that we live in a universe which has been carefully designed. Uh, they tell us that the one who created us is incredibly wise, he's incredibly intelligent, and he's able to take all of these different elements and he's able to hold them together and he's able to make things just right. Um, as well as that, I think we've seen pretty clearly that uh, the God who made us isn't neutral. Um, he, he hasn't just made us and then sits back and leaves us to it. But he values justice. He values righteousness and mercy and peace and everything that's good. Problem is, if that's all we know about God, that he's wise and powerful and just and good, that's not actually enough. We need to know more. And thankfully there is one more voice. And it's his voice. Because God has not left us to scramble around in the dark. Uh, he hasn't left us to, to take the various pieces of the jigsaw and get them together and hope that we're putting them in the right order. No, God has told us all about himself by giving us a book. And I'm sure that every single one of us here who is a Christian would be able to say that whenever we open that book and whenever we read it, we hear God speak. That's something that David gets at in Psalm 19. We're going to sing that final section of the psalm at the close of the service. The section we sang already, the first four verses, he speaks about how the heavens declare the glory of God. He's been speaking about how you could look up into the sky, you could see those thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of stars sprawling out into the night sky, and you can learn something about God's magnificence. But then, David goes on to speak about the Bible. To speak about the word of God himself. And it's so clear that David believes this is a million times more incredible than what he sees in the sky. Verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. 
The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Let me encourage you. Read God's word. Read it for yourself, children. Let me encourage you. Read your Bible for yourself and see how true it is. See how amazing it is. And see how you will hear God speak as you read it. There's joy to be found. As we read God's word, we learn that God does care about injustice. We care, or we, we, we discover that he cares deeply about wrongdoing and harm. But we also learn that he's done something about it. Whenever we read the Bible, we don't simply learn that God is there. Because we don't need to learn that. Because we already know it from those first two voices. But whenever we read the Bible, we learn that God has been here. When we read the Bible, we learn about the Son of God. We learn about the one who stepped into this world of injustice and suffering and he experienced it for himself. We learn about the one who voluntarily laid down his life so that we could be set free. We read about Jesus going to the cross. We read about him suffering on our behalf. We read about him rising from the, gr the grave. And we read about why he did that. He did it so that we can be brought near to this incredible creator who gives meaning to the world around us. So the question is, is there anybody there? And the answer is yes. The voice of creation says yes. The voice inside us says yes. And the voice of God himself says yes. And that final voice tells us, because of Jesus and because of his work, God doesn't simply have to be out there. But he can be here with you. And you can know him. And you can experience him for yourself.